church said, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to be opening to Romans chapter 8. We'll be there in just a moment. What a great joy uh, to pray over our kindergarten students uh, this morning. And and I I want to take just a moment uh, to invite us to expand that prayer uh, to to all of our students, uh, to all of our teachers and faculty and staff that will be uh, returning to, to school this week. Uh, and I, I want to invite us as a congregation uh, to, be, to be praying for them, uh, our day school uh, just right down the hall. Uh, I'm sure that this, this week is, is met with uh, a lot of motions for a lot of families. And so uh, we want you to know that you are being covered in prayer. Um, and if you'd like to submit a prayer in, in the new prayer boxes that are out in the foyer, uh, you can do that anonymously. You don't have to write your name on it. Um, if you want to write your name, please write your name and we'll pray for you by name. Um, that is, is not a complaint box, that's a prayer box, okay? So I don't want to get reports from the prayer team that they're getting a lot of complaints via prayer in there, okay? We're, this says prayer box, all right? Um, but we want to continue to be a church uh, that goes before the Father uh, in prayer on a regular basis. I'm so grateful for uh, Tom Savage's vision for the prayer ministry. Uh, as you heard this morning, they are leaving this week. Um, But I'm thankful that the good work that God has begun in Tom is going to continue. And so uh, Danny Gammon has agreed to oversee uh, the prayer ministry along with uh, Hal Craig that you saw on the screen a few moments ago. Um, So I'm I'm grateful for these uh, brothers and their desire to continue that ministry. Um, It's also great to have um, Matt Miller here with us this morning. I know Matt's over here. Matt is also going back to Rwanda. You've gone back to Rwanda so many times, though, we don't even, we don't even acknowledge it. But he's going back to Rwanda as well this week. Uh, Andrea and the kids will follow uh, next week. Um, So let's be uh, lifting up uh, Matt. Uh, Last night, just a beautiful uh, time as we uh, reflected on Virunga Valley Academy and the, the work that God has done and, and doing there. I, I was able to go to Rwanda in 2012 and then go back in 2021 and actually see with my own eyes Virunga Valley Academy. And it's just amazing to see the, the transformation, the restoration that God is doing uh, through uh, Virunga Valley Academy. Uh, and last night, thank you to so many of you who came and supported the VVA banquet. I uh, received word that as of last night, uh, we had raised $32,000 um, for Virunga Valley Academy. So uh, praise God for that. Um, yeah. Uh, and the, the, bigger, the bigger vision is, uh, you know, even uh, is, is $500,000 so they can build a new high school and, and soccer fields and different things there. And so continue praying about uh, God's work uh, there in Rwanda, and particularly uh, at Virunga Valley Academy. Uh, and it's great. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, say thank you to, to Todd and Candace Boat for being here today. Uh, former members of Homewood, Todd used to serve on staff uh, as a minister here. And uh, you guys raise your hand just to, to say uh, welcome to you guys. So glad that you are here today. And uh, Todd was with us over the weekend and Candace uh, just to help us uh, think through and, and, and pray through and d- discuss, you know, what, what is discipleship and what does it begin to, to look like when we follow the way of Jesus and, and just some very formative conversations uh, this weekend. And I pray that that will be a seed that, that God will continue to grow as it is watered and nurtured when we uh, follow the ways of Jesus. And so thank you, uh, Todd and, and Candace, for being here. Um, I am so uh, honored to serve alongside a staff that um, I love 
and I, I, that I believe is, is the best staff in the world. Um, and, uh, and so today, one of our staff members uh, is celebrating an anniversary. Uh, today is the uh, 15th anniversary of Bethany Fawcett being on staff here at Homewood. And i um, very grateful. And I, I want to keep Bethany on staff, which is why I'm not having her come up on stage. Um, but hopefully she won't get too mad at me for the, for the picture. Uh, but Bethany, we're very grateful for uh, who you are and the way that you serve uh, humbly this congregation, oftentimes behind the scenes and quietly. Um, and your heart for the Lord and for this church is contagious. Um, if you have your Bibles, again, we're going to be looking in, at Romans chapter 8. I really did not pay Jeff Lawrence to give that um, uh, introduction, you know, to, he really kind of recapped the past few weeks, which I was going to do, so I'm not, I don't have to do it anymore. Thank you, Jeff, uh, for that during our communion thoughts. Uh, but Romans chapter 8, I've been encouraging you to, to, to read it every day this past week. And I'm just curious, how many of you have, have read Romans 8 uh, every day, or let's just go with you read it once this past week. Anybody? Okay. All right. A couple. All right. Um, and, and it's not just this, this uh, academic exercise of, of reading, but there's, there's something when we submit ourselves uh, to the Word of God, uh, he, he begins to do something through His Spirit that, uh, that we can't really articulate in a lot of times. And so uh, we have typically spent uh, one week on, on a chapter in Romans. Uh, occasionally, we've spent two weeks on a chapter. Uh, but when, as we've gotten to Romans 8, uh, we, we were camping here for about three weeks. Last week we started, this, this week and next week we're going to be looking at the second half of Romans chapter 8. Um, and, and I'll just tell you that it, it's, it's really been a, a chapter that I have um, just been com- completely uh, formed by in a lot of ways in these past few weeks. Um, throughout my en- entire adult life, but, but now uh, in, in a very special way. So. Uh, I would encourage you to continue to, to put Romans chapter 8, not just into your memory, into your heart, but also put it into practice. What are we learning? What are, what are we being taught through Paul's words here? Follow along with me, starting in verse 18. I consider, Paul says, that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, 
who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. The Word of God for the people of God. Uh, Present sufferings. Uh, Paul has said, therefore, there is now no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he he goes on to say that you're no longer slaves uh, to fear. That rather the Spirit testifies that we are children of God, that we are heirs of God, that we are co-heirs with Christ. If we share in His sufferings, that we also may share in His glory. I appreciate it yesterday during our discipleship workshop, uh, one of our speakers, uh, Eric Wilson, uh, defined glory this way. It's a turning point in the narrative of the people of God. And what do we find when we, when we see this word glory, that, that salvation is, is, is not far behind? And so 2 Corinthians 4.17, for uh, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, and that these two are are really not even worth comparing. So it's important for us to acknowledge a few different uh, realities here as we look in the text. Uh, One reality is that that we know in in the context of Romans 8 that there are followers of Jesus uh, who are are suffering, you know, for their, their faith. And even today, we could acknowledge that there are people that are suffering in this world because of their faith in Jesus. While uh, many of us sit here in this room today in relative comfort and, and luxury. But it would be important for us to also acknowledge the reality that we are not diminishing any other forms of suffering. Uh, deep personal tragedies, which some of you have walked through, trauma, losses, anxieties. Uh, some of you have walked through and are walking through a physical illness, or uh, your child is, is walking through, has walked through a physical uh, illness. And so let's be clear that just because someone's you know, outward appearances may seemingly indicate a comfortable and easy life experience. I've learned that below the surface there can often be pain and suffering that we don't always see. And so we get to verses 20 and 21 in Romans 8, and Paul uh, seemingly goes back to this idea of the creation narrative. And, and we, we begin to, to get this picture of of the beauty of, of creation, and, and Paul is, is looking forward to uh, the new creation. And we're, we're finding ourselves uh, somewhere uh, in between that. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I'm praying over our, our Rwandan folks this morning, it's kind of like jet lag. You know, you, you're not where you want to be, and you're, you're crossing through these time zones, and you're, you're not where the, the intended place was. but but you're somewhere in between. You're in this, in this place of, of jet lag. 
And then Paul probably has this Genesis story of the fall and its effects in view. And this makes perfectly good sense in view of what we read back in Romans chapter 5. Do you remember what we read back in Romans chapter 5? Where Paul discussed this idea of, of being in Adam or being in Christ. The, the two Adams, he, he talks about this. And so coming to chapter 8 where he's kind of closing off this section between chapters 5 and chapter 8. Eight, it, it, it makes perfect sense for, for him to have the, the creation narrative and story in his mind as he's writing this. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity uh, to take a, a prayer hike. It's one of the ways that I find uh, I, I connect most in prayers when I'm able to, to go on a hike, get out in nature. And so I, I took a hike uh, down here at Oak Mountain. And you'll, you'll see a picture on the screen uh, when I finally got up to the, the top of, of King's Chair at Oak Mountain. And there's, there's really multiple places in our city where you can go and you can get a good view. Uh, one of those is, is at Oak Mountain at King's Chair, and you're, you're, you're hiking through uh, the woods, and there's really, really no views as you're hiking the, the mile and a half, two miles to get there. Uh, it's just kind of tree after tree after tree after tree. And then, and then you, finally, you finally get to where you can see a view of, you know, kind of looking south of here. You see, you know, Pelham and Chelsea, and you, and you get this nice view. Uh, if you were to go over here to Red Mountain, uh, you could do the same thing by going up to Grace's Gap, a couple-mile hike, and you see a view of downtown. Or if you go down to Ruffner Mountain and you, you get to a place where you can kind of see a, a, a opposing view of, of downtown Birmingham. Uh, we have all these places in our city where we can go and we can experience uh, this view. And I just want to suggest that Romans 8 is like that view. Uh, from this point, we can see in astonishing clarity the whole plan of salvation for all of God's creation. And church, once you've glimpsed this view, you can't unglimpse it. You can't unsee it. You will never forget it. That God's creation, it was designed to flourish. And so He will not scrap it, rather, He will restore it. This is the new creation, this is the new heavens and the new earth. I believe that Paul is painting this picture. Paul is saying all these things are signs that the world as it is, though still God's good creation and pregnant with His, His power and glory, is not at present the way it should be, that we're, we're longing for this time when we ourselves will be fully redeemed. And so we groan and we sigh as we experience this tension, this jet lag between the glorious promise and the present reality. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So April 7th, 2014 was an important day in the life of our family. It was the day that our oldest son uh, was born. Uh, but on April 6th of that year in 2014, that evening, that night, uh, there was uh, some terrible storms that had come through. And so, uh, my, my wife, my, my very pregnant wife, 
was scheduled for a C-section down at St. Vincent's uh, the next morning, early the next morning. And so I'm, I'm laying in bed and I'm, I'm pulling up on, on social media and different news sources, you know, the, the conditions of what's going on because it keeps raining, it keeps lightning, it keeps thundering. And I'm looking at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and then what do, what do I see online? I see those suspenders pop out, and you know when you see, if you're in Alabama and you see the suspenders come on the screen, and Brother James Spann, you know, okay, we, we need to pay attention to what's happening. Well, all of a sudden, about four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, I start seeing footage, video footage of downtown Birmingham. And they, they show that University Boulevard is flooded. If you don't know the area, St. Vincent's is down University Boulevard. And so uh, it was in that, that moment, and let me just pause and say, um, husbands, um, we are not, we don't come into this world knowing how to speak to our wives. No man knows. You may think you're smart. No man knows how to speak to his wife. You have to learn how to speak to your wife. And, and the, the moment for your younger husbands, let me, let me go ahead and just tell you. The moment you think you know is precisely the moment that you don't know how to speak to your wife. And so I looked to my very pregnant, very beautiful wife, and I said, honey, I don't know if we're going to be able to go to the hospital today. <laughs> and I have not seen this formation on my wife's face take place in the way that it did in the early mornings of April the 7th. And she almost got this otherworldly voice and metaphorically had her hands around my neck in which she proclaimed, we are going to the hospital this morning. We had a okay trip to the hospital. Come hell or high water. I'd seen the high water. I didn't want to see the other one, so I decided to keep my mouth shut. Safe delivery. Nine years later, we enjoy the presence of our nine-year-old son. Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The whole creation is in labor, longing for God's new world to be born, this new heavens and this new earth. And God's purpose, what we see is that from this hill in Romans chapter 8, you can see forever. God's purpose is to do for God's people what God did for Jesus on Easter. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the, the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And then here's verse 28, a familiar verse for many of us. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Uh, one of the books that I, I read with my children on, our, on my break a few weeks ago uh, was the book by Robert Louis Stevenson, Treasure Island. It's an old classic novel, and, and Jim Hawkins, this, this young man, this, uh, finds this treasure map, and so he and, and this group, they go on this voyage on this ship you know, to, to find Treasure Island so they can search for the treasure. And, and on the ship, there's a, a cook. His, name is, his nickname is Barbecue. But you probably know him better as, as the, the one-legged man known as Long John Silver. And, and so uh, Long John Silver uh, in this kind of mutiny-type scene is, is taking over as, as captain. And, and then uh, his, his, uh, the men that are with him decide that they no longer want him to be the captain. And so Robert Louis Stevenson interjects this, this really interesting scene in the book. Uh, where uh, Long John Silver is given what's called a, a black spot. And it could be a, a black rock or it could be a, a black, you know, something that, that just signifies that, hey, we no longer want you to be our captain. Like, we're done, we're done with you. The, the problem is, is that the men give him, they don't, they're lacking resources, and so they, they give him a, a crumpled up piece of paper that had ink on it that, that looked black. And, and Long John Silver takes it, and he notices what it is. It is a, it's a page out of the Bible. And so he says, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you can't do that. You can't take a page. You can't just rip a page out of the Bible and deface it that way and use it as a black spot. That brings a curse on you, not me. And as I read that, I, I thought, okay, that, that makes some sense to me. Because this is an appropriate illustration of how sometimes we rip a page out of the Bible metaphorically and we don't use it in its proper context. And Romans 8, 28 can definitely qualify as one of those verses. And so I, I want to share with us just, just three quick misperceptions of Romans 8, 28. The first one is this, misperception number one is that all things will be good in our life. When we hear that all things work together for good, we often assume that, that that means that things will be good from our perspective, our little kingdoms, our little microcosms. And what's good from God's perspective might not look so good from ours. And Paul doesn't say that all things will be good, whether he says that all things work together for good. And there's a big difference between the two. The second misperception is this is that God is making all things happen for a reason. Has anybody just walked up to you in your time of, of suffering and just said, well, it's happening for a reason. God's got a reason for it. God's got a reason for it. 
And I can't find in Scripture where it says that God is causing evil or he's causing sin. He permits these things, but he's not necessarily causing them. Now, we can wrestle with certain texts. We can wrestle with texts like in Exodus where God hardened the Pharaoh's heart, or we can wrestle with text in Job where it says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We can wrestle with those texts, but we should be careful to assume that God is the cause of all things rather than acknowledge that God is sovereign over all things. And so sometimes life just happens. Sometimes tragedy strikes. Sometimes our sin has consequences in our life. Creation groans. God is over all things, but it's not the cause of all things. And the third misperception is that everything will work out in this life. We, we often just struggle as human beings to see past this life. Uh, when Paul says all things will work together for our good, we often assume that that means this life. And whilst many of our problems will be resolved in this life, not all will be. Our, our full restoration won't happen on this side of the new creation. All things work together doesn't mean that it will happen in this life. But hear me, church, it will happen. Amen. I reached out to, to one of our members this week uh, in a personal friend of mine, uh, Luke Mastriani. Uh, you'll see a picture of Luke and his son Quinn on the screen. Uh, many of you know that Luke has been battling uh, pancreatic cancer. And I just, I just asked Luke uh, this week, I said, how, how do you see this passage? How do you see Romans chapter 8? And, I, and I've had others on my mind too. I've had uh, Cheryl Hill on my mind. I've had Freddie Tate on my mind. I've had uh, Betty Holland and Larry Ramsey and, and others that have been on my mind as well. And I, I asked Luke, I said, how do, you, how do you see Romans 8 in light of what you and your family have been going through? And here's what Luke sent back to me. He said, I've struggled with health issues for years now. When I think of the prophet Isaiah's words in Isaiah 35, that one day the lame will leap like a deer, it brings me great comfort. I think of not only me, but also those like my brother Donnie Price and my son Quinn. And we are patient with current suffering because we know that we will spend eternity with no suffering. This thought overwhelms me as I think about it. We are truly grateful for this church who continues to help bear our burdens. I resonated with verse 26 in Romans 8, and we do not know what we ought to pray for. There are things that, that we do not know, and that's hard for us. If you don't believe me, go, go to the Scriptures. Remember in the Old Testament, Habakkuk 1, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you don't, you don't save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Or Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? James 4, 14, we do not know 
the things that will happen tomorrow. Jesus said in Mark 13, 32, you do not know the hour of the Lord's coming. Scripture tells us that there are things that we do not know. But church, listen to me. Never abandon what you do know because of what you don't know. Paul doesn't say, I think, or I, I kind of hope that it turns out this way. What does he say? He says, we know, we know that all things work together for good. But he doesn't end there. For those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love how scholar Michael Gorman says it this way, hope is itself cruciform. The participation in the sufferings of Christ, of others, and of the creation. Cruciform hope means that the very thing, suffering, that makes us think glory is distant or even unattainable, if altogether fictitious, is in fact the divine hint of its proximity. If you grab a hold of that, it'll change your world. Suffering is never a sign of God's departure and absence, but it's rather an occasion of God's presence and participation. Yesterday, we spent time reflecting on 2 Corinthians 3.18. And I, I've not been able to get it out of my head, and I'm thankful it's not been able to get out of my head. And we all, is it on the screen? Will, will you say this with me? And we all, with contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who, who is the Spirit. So how might the Spirit be prompting you this week? Uh, I'm not going to give you a bunch of takeaways today. I'm going to have you, through the Spirit, determine your own takeaway. So on the screen, I want you to finish this sentence. This week, I will. What will you put into practice this week? based on what we have studied this morning. This week, I will reach out to someone who is suffering. This week, I will tell someone I trust about how I'm suffering in silence and not let the enemy convince me that I'm alone. Not let the enemy place fear and doubt and struggle in my heart in a crippling way. This week, I will Tell one person about Romans 8. I don't know what, how you'll finish this sentence. But I want us to take a moment before we sing this song and ask God to help us. Let's pray. God, we invite you to help us finish this sentence. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. God, help us to be obedient to your call. God, may we never lose sight that there will be a day 
when all will bow before him. That there will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with he who died and rose again, the only words that can come from our mouth is holy. Holy. Holy is the Lord. Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.